0: Psalms 19, one through seven. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set the ta- tent of the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom. leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising it's from the end of the earths, at the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Make wise the simple. Salam alaikum. Okay, yeah, that do not work here. It's good to be here this morning. Um yeah we've been back in the states since uh the middle of september and we're gonna we're getting ready to leave the middle of december so uh it's been a wild wild trip um every week when we've been involved somewhere and uh it's just a privilege and a joy for us to be here this morning with you guys i want to talk this morning a little bit about a um about a uh an issue that A lot of times raises hackles with people in evangelical churches and uh, it's the question of how does God view his creation um as some of you know we've been involved in a wildlife conservation project in Northern Cote d'Ivoire it's kind of a uh, it's it's in an effort to be able to reach out to the Jula people Who are Muslim by and large, and so we're working with them in trying to help them work and develop wildlife-based business in an area of about thousand square kilometers. And I'll talk more about that later on at our uh, lunch together. But in all this, I've thought I've spent a lot of time thinking about what. How does God see this world that He's created? How does He see this creation? And I think it's uh, important for us to reflect on this, and if you go to West Africa, you'll notice in West Africa that we have a tremendous issue with trash. How do we deal with trash? We often joke that the plastic bag is our national flower, because you find it everywhere. The problem is is with industrialization, and Cote d'Ivoire is an industrial, it's becoming an industrialized nation. We don't have the infrastructure set up to take care of our trash. You guys here in the United States, you do a fairly good job of taking care of it. That is, you package it up, you put it in bundles, and you take it to places that you know aren't on your back street. Problem in Cote d'Ivoire is that we don't have that infrastructure set in place, and so we have issues. Um, several years ago, there were um, ships that came from Europe with chemicals that needed to be Europe wasn't going to accept that they'd be dumped somewhere in Europe and they came to Cote d'Ivoire, they unloaded them, put them in tankers and told the guys in Cote d'Ivoire that you can make diesel fuel out of them. Well, they couldn't. And so what happened? They dumped them in the lagoons in Abidjan. Abidjan is a beautiful city, was a beautiful city with beautiful lagoons. Dumped them in the lagoons, of course killed everything. And we lost about 20 people, just died from breathing toxic fumes from these from this dumping this is kind of thing that's happening in Africa and we as believers what is our response to that another issue we have in West Africa is a whole charcoal problem in order to make charcoal you have to burn up a lot of trees charcoal is convenient when you have big cities like Abidjan five million people you need to have an easy convenient way to cook your meals and charcoal is light it uh, burns hot it's easy to get a meal on quickly whereas gas it costs a lot of money and uh, wood it's more difficult to transport so people like charcoal problem is when you make charcoal you burn up a lot of wood just to make charcoal and forests are disappearing and you know anything about Haiti other places in uh, Central America there is a huge problem with the charcoal industry because it is a big destroyer of forest. I mean, we're cutting down mahogany to make charcoal. That's some of the best charcoal you can make is with mahogany. Another issue we have in West Africa is just the whole problem of gold mines. Now, one of the th- one of the things that happens when a gold mining company that has all the right papers comes into an area to do their gold prospect prospection they come in and they prospect and everything but the little guys then come in afterwards because no everybody knows that no gold mining company is gonna prospect where there isn't gold makes sense right and so they come in afterwards and they dig their illegal mines and down in those mines the people that get to work down there are young kids Kids that are 10, 15 years of age. Because they can dig better, they're smaller, they can go down these holes easier. And when they cave in, well, you know, that was just the risk of mining. And so we have little kids that are losing their lives in gold mines all over Cote d'Ivoire, all over West Africa, because the price of gold just keeps going up and up and up because we all like our apparatuses that have to have gold in order to make those contacts and I have to ask myself so what, how does God think about all this? God's got to have an opinion about gold mines I'm not saying that gold mines are all bad but we've got to be responsible and of course if you know anything about gold mining when you do get the gold ore out then you leach out the gold with mercury and that mercury then goes into the soil or goes into the waterways, and fish die, or we eat the fish that is full of mercury. And of course, people have cancers and all the rest of it. If you know anything about the history of Montana, Idaho, you know that this is a, this is a major problem, even here in this country. Well, imagine in a country like Kutiwa, where the regulations, although they're there, they're not followed. They're not honored. That's a problem. So what does God think about all this? What is God's view of this world that he's created? When you read the first account of creation, now, when you read Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, that's the first account of creation. And in that account of creation, five times in that account, God says, and it was good. God's saying this. I mean, he's created, and he gets to the end of the first part of creation. He says, and it was good. He goes a little further, and it was good. Now, remember, God created in six days. At the end of this chapter, in verse 31, he says, and it was very good. We all know that man was created on the last day, and I guess the woman as well, which is probably why he said it's very good, right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but but whenever God, or, or a passage of Scripture says, this, says a phrase this many times, we need to step back and think, why is God saying, why is he repeating himself so much? Well, it's probably because God sees his creation as good. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated. So if God sees his creation in that way, what is my response to the world that God has put me in? How, do, how should I see this world that he's put me in if God at creation said this many times, and it was good. Matter of fact, it was very good. What is my response? Um, it's interesting to me that after he says, "And it was very good," then you have in the second chapter of Genesis enough, another creation account, story of the creation. It's 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 told in a different way. The first chapter of Genesis is kind of a poem. A lot of theologians talk about that as a poem. It's, it's uh, more poetic. The second chapter is a little more, you know, some of the details. You know, rivers and uh, where the gold was and, you know, other stuff like that. It's interesting to me that in that, God then creates man. And you see that creation account... Um, if you look at uh well yeah in that in that second account of course you you got to remember that god he's he's creating all these different species of animals now i just want to give you a short list of some of the variety that we have on this planet and i know some of you guys are going to think well we we know all this you can see this on wikipedia well let's let's have a look you realize that when god created mammals God created over 5,500 species of mammals that live in our world today. Now, that's not counting all of the species that have existed and don't exist any longer. And, of course, elephants, that's one of the greatest of the mammals. He also created buffalo. He also created cob. And he also created pangolin, or pangolins. These are all mammals. And there's, like I say, 5,500 species that we know of today. Now, when you start talking about species, anybody who's in the scientific world knows that how we decide what's a species and what's not a species, you know, how, how different, why this is not the same species. There's, there's a lot of debate about where you should draw, we should draw the lines. Okay? But even so, you realize that the African elephant has two fingers on the end of its trunk, whereas the Indian elephant has just one. You know that, right? And that in the trunk of the African elephant, there's over 320 muscles that that elephant uses to move it around. As a matter of fact, the African elephant, it takes... Three to five years for a baby elephant to even figure out how to control that trunk. If you look at a baby elephant wandering around, its trunk's you know all over the place. And God created this, and this is a, this is what blows me up, blows me away that God created such a variety. Why so much variety? This is just talking about mammals. Let's look at birds. When God created birds, He created over ten thousand different species of birds. This is a crown crane, bee eaters, and battler eagle, 10,500 species of birds that we know of in our world today. Now, I just ran across an article the other day. I got to share this with you. For many years, everybody thought that the northern wheat ear was the bird that flew the furthest during, in, in the space of one year. They would fly from Kenya into western Alaska to breed, over 14,000 kilometers. Just recently, in the last year, they've discovered that no, it's the willow, uh, willow warbler, which is in southern Africa, that flies to Siberia every year, and he flies over 15,000 kilometers twice a year. He flies that twice a year, and they fly mainly at night, over 250 kilometers per night. Now think about that. You got a 10-ounce willow wobbler, or 10 gram willow wobbler, all that energy is packed into this thing, and he makes that flight twice a year. God made this creature this way. What were you thinking? I mean, the poor, you know. But they do this, and they're going from, from their feeding grounds to their breeding grounds, and back and forth. I don't know. If that doesn't wow you, not much will, I guess. <laughs> and then God created fish. Um, and, and here I just, I hold my hand and I think, what, you know, God, why so many species of fish? Why 40,000 species of fish? Under the water where we we don't even go, we don't I mean Adam didn't swim underwater and look at fish, did he? Maybe, 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 maybe he did, I don't know. Forty thousand different species of fish all under the under the water. We don't even see them. But God created all this variety. Again, I have to ask myself the question why? And then he created reptiles. When he created reptiles, he decided to get really creative. Over 10,000, again, 10,000 different species of reptiles. Just incredible, the number of reptiles that are in our world. Now, you know the difference between a mammal and a reptile, of course. Yeah, all right. Cold-blooded, warm-blooded. And then he didn't, you know, reptiles wasn't enough. He decided he was going to have a little fun with this little creature called an amphibian. You know, creatures that live, part of their life cycle is in the water. Part of their life cycle is on the land. They have three chambers in the heart instead of four, et cetera, et cetera. You know, different. all right. Again, why so much variety? God, what? what, what? Well, if we stopped with, am- with amphibians, we- we'd just be scratching the surface. When we start thinking about invertebrates, that is all those creatures that don't have backbones, like insects, over a million species of insects in our world today and each one of them has a role to play in our world without a common housefly, fly we'd have serious issues in our world yeah you know I'm a beekeeper and I, I love just sitting at my in front of my bee house or my what do you call them beehive and watching them come and go and You see the drones come out, and drones do nothing but buzz around and eat honey. So you like to get rid of those guys. But it's just a—it's amazing to see that community just do its stuff. Uh, Arachnids—that's these spider-like creatures. Mollusks, crustaceans, corals, all kinds of others. You know, look at that list. Why so much variety? Again. God's up to something. But when you step out of the animal world and you step into the plant world, again, you just, our minds, it's it's too much. It's like, what were you thinking? Let's just think about trees, all right? I mean, I want to simplify this. In our world today, Wikipedia says that there's between 60,000 and 100,000 different species of trees in our world. Now, when anybody, whenever anybody says between 60,000 and 100,000 of anything, they're guessing. All right? So we know they're guessing. But even if they're guessing, at least that, that, that's a lot of different kinds of trees. And right now on our planet, according to Wikipedia again, they say that there's over 3 trillion trees that are standing. Now, there may be a few, or a few less after last year's forest fires in the northwest... That's a lot of trees. And thank God for trees. We know that trees are the life of a people. And of anybody that I speak to, you guys here in the Rogue Valley know that trees are essential for the future of your community. Now, it doesn't mean we don't cut them down. It means we manage them. So, back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put man, whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight for, and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, you know this passage. And we always turn to the tree of good and evil and we point out the fact that because man didn't obey god and not eat from that tree that's why we're in the problem difficulties we're in today that's why we get sick that's why we stub our toes that's why we can't get along with our wives it's it's all because of this but we forget to notice the tree of life The tree of life was something that was was a tree that was planted in the tree in the the garden at the beginning of creation and we tend to leave it there in our think in our thought process and that's why God had to kick man out of the garden so he wouldn't eat from the tree of life because if he did then we'd live forever in sin all right that's at least I remember hearing that when I was in school now the interesting thing is Is it the tree of life that you find in creation? We also find the tree of life at the end of the story of mankind. Let's turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And this is an amazing passage. You need to read the whole passage, but I'm just going to read you two verses. Then the angel showed me the river of water, of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations now in west africa we know that that leaves are medicine matter of fact the word in jula for medicine is fla and the word for leaf is fla it's because it's the same thing because we use leaves to make medicine so that we can get better your medicine although it comes in bottles it's also got a plant component probably somewhere in the process of making that bottle of medicine yeah leaves are essential for healing and it's interesting to me that here in the, at the end of the story of mankind god has this tree that is watered by what by what wa- by water that comes from the throne of god so the water that comes from the throne of God is essential for this tree so that it bears 12 different kinds of fruit each month now we as mankind we, we, we we've been pretty smart we can get trees to bear a lot of different kinds of fruit on one stem you know that right you can, you can uh, grow peaches I think uh, plums and apricots kind of all on the same stem if you're smart about it grafting and that kind of stuff but to date I don't know any farmer that's gotten a tree to bear fruit every month of the year every tree has a cycle and it's your it's a yearly cycle and it bears a lot of fruit at one part of the year and then it stops bearing fruit right every, 12, every month of the year this this tree bears fruit now, this is an amazing tree tree of life so here you have beginning of the creation story the tree of life at the end of the story of mankind the tree of life and then if we if we just look at this it's kind of like having two bookmarks the beginning of the story at the end of the story but right in the middle ezekiel in ezekiel chapter 47 we see this same reference to the tree of life and it says this, verse 12, And the, on the banks of both sides of the river there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. John the apostle when he wrote revelations he was borrowing this idea from ezekiel yeah he pulled it right out of the old now you got to remember ezekiel was a prophet that lived during the exile he wasn't living in jerusalem he was living in babylon the people were out of their country they were a people without a country and he was writing about the hope of 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 the jewish people in years to come and he says this tree will then be good for food and it'll be good for healing and this is what john borrows from he steals that idea and this is what we find in the book of revelation so the tree of life um let's just think a little bit about that tree of life this tree of life it gives We see it in the beginning, we see it at the end, we see this promise in Ezekiel. But about 150 years before that, you have Isaiah that is also writing about trees. And he doesn't specifically talk about the tree of life, but he says something very curious. He says, I will open the one, this is also a promise that is given to Israel. I will open the rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the, and the olive, and I will set in the desert the cypress, the plan, and the pine together. So that, and this is important, they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, the Holy one of Israel has created it 5500 species of mammals in our world today why so that we may see and know may consider and understand together that the lord that the hand of the lord almighty has done this you see the variety that god has put on this planet is not simply because he had a lot of time on his hands it's not because he uh just uh, want to be creative one day it's because there's a purpose in it it's so that we would see and know and understand now it's interesting it's not just so we see and understand he wants us to study it he wants us to dig in and understand this creation that he's put us in and i'm always fascinated by the the way that plants interact with each other different kinds of plants different kinds of animals insects and the importance that they play in a whole ecosystem it's it's um, it's a fascinating study to me to see the interaction between different species and it's because god wants us to see it he wants us to understand he wants us to dig in and understand who he is this is why god has created what he has and so what is my response as a follower of christ how does god see his creation i think he sees it as this is this amazing thing that he has put in front of us so that we would understand who he is now In the midst of all this, we need to step back and recognize that there is also another tree of life that is the reason why we can have a relationship with the God who created this world. And that's that tree on which our Savior died. Now, these are baobab trees. Baobab trees in Madagascar. That's a massive piece of tree but that's nothing compared to this one you see that's a building and it's a tree the interesting thing about a baobab tree is that a baobab tree you can cut it down to its roots and it'll just keep growing it's a tree that you cannot kill I suppose you can but it's difficult everywhere you go in West Africa if you're traveling through the bush where people don't live and you run across Baobabs, you know that there was a village that was here at one time. Because Baobabs, the fruit is good for eating. They're also good for hitting your sister over the top of the head if you're angry with her. (laughs) Because they're kind of (laughs) hard. They're also good, their leaves are good for eating. We eat the leaves. It makes a very nice sauce that's real runny and gooey that you can, you know, it kind of goes from your lip down to the bowl. It's slimy i guess is the word you say yeah but it's great sauce you can use the bark to make rope so every part of the baobab tree is useful except for its wood you try and make a board out of baobab and you're wasting your time In three days it'll just be fibers floating around because it's full of water so the baobab is useless as wood That's maybe one reason why the baobab exists everywhere in Africa, because we haven't used it to make charcoal. You can't. It doesn't make good charcoal. It doesn't make charcoal. (laughs) But the interesting thing to me is that God, when he created trees, he knew the exact species of tree that was going to be used to crucify his son. And I ask myself the question, why did you create that tree? Knowing that one day, the future generations of that tree was going to be cut up, made into a cross on which your son was going to die. God knew that. And yet, he created that tree so that you and I could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with, with, with God himself. That, to me, is an amazing truth to realize that god knowing that this species was going to be used for the death of his his son created it anyway when i think about the future of our young people in west africa i can't help but remind myself that our futures are tied to how we use the environment How we use the land around us we of all people should be concerned about our environment now you're sitting there thinking where did this left left guy come from he shouldn't be speaking in our church right that's a left that's the left left let's see this is your left right that's the left's agenda right environmental protection i'm sorry the left grabbed that and they said this is our deal and it never was, it never has been. It's always been our responsibility. It's always been our game. We believe that there's a creator behind the creation. And so we don't get caught up in worshiping the creation. We understand that the creator created it for reasons, so that we would know who He is. You see, if you're truly an atheist, if you're truly an evolutionist you wouldn't be concerned about the disappearing of certain species because why would you because one of the foundational tenets of evolutionary theory is that only the survival only the fittest survive and so if they're not surviving it's because they couldn't figure out how to survive in this new situation that they're in right so if the west african forest elephant disappears so what it couldn't adapt to the new changes that have come from industrialization isn't that i mean that makes more sense if you don't believe that there's a god involved but if you believe that god created it and that at the end he said five different times it was good matter of fact he says it was very good then i as one of his creature create creatures And as one of his people, I of all people should be concerned about the survival of the West African elephant. And you're saying to me, "Well, wait a minute. Shouldn't you as a missionary be more concerned about people? Yeah, but when you're concerned about people, you're concerned about the environment that they live in as well. Because you know that they're related. That people can't live without trees. People can't live without knowing what is around them we tend to think that it's all for us to use and abuse it's not it's for us to use and manage so that future generations can also enjoy what God has created you see when I see this kid down in a mine I gotta I gotta remind myself that gold As precious as it is and as much money as we can make from mining gold gold doesn't reproduce itself wildlife does trees do gold doesn't those are issues that we as followers of christ we need to struggle with we need to battle with that how what is our role as a follower of christ in protecting not only the environment, but young, young kids like this that are sent down those holes. And that's why we started this organization called Kuruba, where we are looking to help these, this association manage 1,000 square kilometers so that they can make a living off of managing wildlife in a way that is sustainable. And why do we do that? It's so that in working alongside these jewelers, we can then share the gospel. Because people's, people's parents die. And when people's parents die, you're asked to pray. You're asked to share with them. And that's kind what of our, what our hope and our dream is through this Kuruba project, that we would be able to have a Christ and a gospel impact among the jewelers. Because we, of all people, should be concerned about the world we live in. God has put it here. He's given us an amazing world to live in. And true, it's been tainted by sin. But God is going to restore that world one day. And what is my role in restoring that world? We all have a role to play. So let's think about what our response should be to what we see happening. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for that tree of life that is such an amazing tree that gives us hope for the future. Father, we see that that tree of life has such vitality because the water is coming directly from your throne. And Father, I pray that you would inspire us in that same way, That we would live as that tree, knowing that the source of our life comes directly from you, and that, Father, we would use our lives to have a gospel impact where you planted us. I thank you, Father, for trees, for mammals, for birds, for reptiles, amphibians, insects, I thank you, Father, most of all, for giving your son on the cross, on that tree of life that truly gives us the possibility to know you in a deep and personal way. We want to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.